welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me, we're going to pick up in 1 John, the Epistle of John, chapter 1, picking up in verse 5. The title of our message is Forgiven and Cleansed. When I was a, a child growing up, and I would do anything wrong, if I would like go put my hand in the cookie jar and take a cookie, and even if no one was in the room, my dad would walk in the room after, after I ate it, no evidence, everything's gone, and he would say, what did you do wrong? And I would say, well, what do you mean? What did... <laughs> and he says, written all over your face, what did you do? Because of the guilt. And he, my dad used to call me poker face. Because <laughs> I could never hide my sin. I could never fi- hide it. It was always so evident. And sin brings guilt. When we sin, there's, there's guilt, there's shame that comes with it. And that's why we have the cross. And that's why we can confess it. But there's some that choose to justify their sin. There's some that choose to make up excuses why they're sinning. Oh, it's because of this, or it's her fault, it's his fault, it's my husband, it's my wife. And we we try to blame shift instead of just taking responsibility for sin and say, this is sin, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And we're going to see in our text, when we ask for forgiveness, God forgives us and he cleanses us from our guilt. He takes away our shame and he takes away our guilt. There's some that have a seared conscience, though, and they don't even, they're not even bothered by sin. They can sin and have no guilt and no shame. And the Bible talks about that as having a, a seared conscience. And if you're in that place, that's a very scary place to be in because sin brings shame. Sin brings guilt. But we have one that took our guilt and shame upon the cross of Calvary. His name is Jesus. 1 John Chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 5 to 10. And John the Apostle writes, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Lord God, we again pray as we open your word here that you would open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The Apostle John is writing, and as we looked at last week, the Apostle John is called the Apostle of Love. So we have a love letter that's here before us. There's, you know, love is mentioned throughout this wonderful gospel. But here in our text, uh, John is talking about the contrast between light and darkness. And we've looked at in the past that light speaks of holiness. Light speaks of purity. Light speaks of truth and clarity, and it illuminates and exposes darkness, and it's good. Light is good. God is light, as we're going to see here. But darkness 
is not good. Darkness represents sin and evil. It, it speaks of death. And so there's this contrast. And so as we have this in mind, let's look back at verse 5. John says, this is the message which we have from him. So, so John the apostle is saying, I have a message from Jesus. And this is the message that Jesus spoke to us when we were with him. And we declare this message to you that God is light. So God is good. God is holy. God is pure. There, there's no sin in God whatsoever. There's no darkness in God. In him, there's no darkness at all. God is light. And then it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we're walking, the word walking refers to a way of life or a practice. So if we're, we're walking in sin and we say, well, I'm a Christian and I have fellowship with God and I, I'm a believer. Well, our text is saying, no, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. And that part is a very strong message because I believe so many people are so self-deceived where they think that, oh, because I go to church on Sunday or oh, because I said a prayer at one time, oh, I'm, this, I'm, a, I'm a believer and I have fellowship with God. But the Apostle John wants us to know, no, you're not a believer. If you're walking in darkness, in other words, if you're practicing sin every day and you're doing the same thing and he hasn't delivered you from your sin, then you're not walking in the light. You see, God is light, God is holy, God is pure. And if you have a relationship with him, you go to the cross and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. I, I want to walk in holiness. I want to walk in, in purity. I remember right after I got saved, I accepted Christ and my, the girl I was dating before that, we were actually living together and she moved out. And then, so, you know, I would, after accepting Christ, I would see her and she just, she wanted to know, okay, I'm like, you know, she wanted to know, well, how far can we go now? You know, we've messed up, but how far now can we go? And I, I didn't even know the scriptures, but I just said, well, God says, I'm holy, be holy. And I literally told her, I says, I'm a new person now. I'm a, I, I, I have to get to know myself right now. I, I'm brand new. I, I've been cleansed. I've been made whole. And she finally realized that. She accepted Christ. She's a missionary now, and she's walking with Jesus, and God's touched her life. But the point I'm saying is that you cannot say that you're, you're in fellowship with God if you're practicing a lifestyle of sin. You, it doesn't mesh. It doesn't work. And no matter who's telling you you're okay. I used to go to people when I was in the world, and I was living with my girlfriend, and, and I would go to all the people that were in favor of that. And I would talk with them and say, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, I said, yeah, it's, and I, would, I justified it this way. This is terrible. But this is, I'd say, it's better than going out of the bars and being with a whole bunch of other women. And they were like, you're right it's good that's good and then my sister was this radical born-again Christian that loved Jesus and then she would come in my life and I told her I was a Christian and I would say you know yeah I'm a Christian she'd say well you still living with your girlfriend and it's like yeah I'm still living with my girlfriend and I would try to give her all this spiel you know well see you know it's better than being with a whole bunch of other women and stuff and I'm just with one I'm loyal to the one which I wasn't but I I'm loyal to this one <laughs> And she would say, well, then don't call yourself a Christian because it's according to God's word. You cannot say you're a Christian if you're practicing darkness. God wants to set you free. When I was in school, I was on track and football. I went to practice to get better at playing football. I went to practice to run faster. I would practice running so I could run better. 
Well, in the same way, when I was in the world, I practiced sin uh, to get better at my sin. I would do it more and more. And if you're practicing sin, you're not a believer here today. And God wants to change that. So if you say you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So you're, you're becoming a liar if you say that. But again, I want to use this just to say God wants to help you. God wants to set you free. God wants to change you. And he can change you. But don't say you're a Christian if you're practicing drunkenness, if you're practicing sex outside of marriage, if you're practicing hatred towards others constantly. And there's lists of that. And I would encourage you to go to Galatians 5 or Ephesians 5 or 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Read through that. Or even in Revelation 22 as we read those. And you read those passages and there's no way. It says if you practice such things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, I believe there's many people that are just self-deceived. And it's not a condemnation. I, I want to get this clear. It's, this is not a condemnation. This is an invitation to go to the cross of Jesus Christ, to be cleansed, to be forgiven, and to give your life over completely to Jesus Christ. Let him clean you up. You might be here today and say, well, I've tried getting cleaned up, Pastor. It just doesn't work. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. And I, No, no, no. You don't have to try to get cleaned up. You just turn from your sin. Let him clean you up. Because we serve a powerful God that's able to wash you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We're going to go to verse 9 because we talked about fellowship and we talked about sin. And, but I want to go to verse 9. And it says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's probably one of the, the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Do you notice if, if we, if you here today confess your sins, you have a faithful God that will forgive you. You have a faithful God that will cleanse you. You have a faithful God will, that will take away all your sin away from you. If you today confess, the, the word confess means to say the same as. So we're saying the same as God is saying. We're saying the same as the Bible is saying. So if God says that sex outside of marriage is forbidden, you'd say, yes, God, I agree. Sex outside of marriage is forbidden. I've sinned against you if that's you today. Or, or if a hatred towards your brother is, is sin, you just say, God, I, I've hated people. I have hatred in my heart. And if you confess it, you agree with him and you confess that to him, he'll cleanse you. It's in the present tense. It's, it's, it's keep confessing. So some people, I know people personally that say, well, pastor, I repented once. I asked God to forgive me. I never have to ask for forgiveness again. And I said, well, it says if we confess our sins, we're faithful and just. He says, yeah, once we do that, we don't ever have to do that again. No, you have to do it. It's in the present tense. It means continually. You're to, we're to continue to confess our sins to him. And when we do, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And it speaks of a close relationship with God. It, it speaks of having short accounts. So when we mess up, we fall, then we go running to the cross. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I repent. I give you my life. God, I, this, your word says it's wrong. I agree, Lord. I turn. And it's just not, just don't get me wrong. It's not just, okay, I'm just going to live my life in a sinful way. And this, oh, God, I, I messed up. Sorry about that. And just keep going, oh, did it again. <laughs> and keep going and going and doing it. No, no, it, it speaks of coming to him and just you know, spending time with him and turning away from your sin and confessing it to him and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. 
I repent of my sin. God, I I give you my life again. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Restore me. Restore a steadfast spirit in me, God, just like David did when he fell with Bathsheba. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, right? Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away. Take not thy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And it speaks of turning. Do you notice he's faithful? The word faithful means worthy of trust. You can rely on him. You know why that is so great? Because when you sin, when you mess up, and we all do, and and again, it's not talking about, you know, as believers, we're going to fall. We're going to mess up. So we get back up, we confess it to the Lord, but know at that point when you confess it, he's faithful, right? He's just. In other words, you can rely on the fact when you turn away from your sin and you confess it to him, you go to the cross, that he's faithful, he's going to take it away. Because you know what happens if you don't believe that? There's condemnation. And then you're walking around it's like, I can't believe I did that. I remember being a, you know, a baby in Christ, and I'd mess up, and I'd just be like, oh, it's just, I'm, I'm such an idiot. I, how do I call myself a Christian? And I'm just, oh, it's just so terrible. It's just so, and it's just, you know, just walking around with condemnation. You, you know, you don't even want to go to church, and you know, look at people, and, hi, how you doing? Yeah, uh, hi. How's it going? Praise God. <laughs> but then a verse like this can set you free from the condemnation that the enemy wants to put in your life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Who is it that condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding, interceding praying for us. Who's, who is it that condemns? Well, it's called the accuser of the brethren. He, he condemns us. He, he, he's an accuser. He goes before the throne of God day and night. He's accusing us of sin. But guess what? It's worse than he even knows. But God forgives us of all of our sin and cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness when we go to the cross of Calvary. The word cleanse that's in this passage, it means to, to be freed from guilt of sin, to purify. Even the word unrighteousness, it means all wrongs that are done, but it talks about you know, being cleansed of the guilt from your wrongs. Don't try to justify your sin. Just confess it to the Lord. I know I've told this story before. I love telling it, though, actually. <laughs> when I was very young, I, there was different rules in the house. One of the rules is you don't play with, you know, dad's razor blade, right? He used to have one of those. You remember those razor? You turn the bottom like this, and the thing would open up, you know, put the, the, the blade on the top, and you turn it, and it closes back. Do they still make those? I don't know. I don't use them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, you know, my dad had it on the, the, the sink and you're not supposed to use it. And we all know the rules. You don't touch it. You don't go near it. That's dad's, you know. But I would always watch my dad shave and I would love to, you know, try it out sometime, right? So I remember I shut the door. I'm, I'm alone in the bathroom and I locked the door. I'm thinking, nobody can see me. You know, I'm going to clean up my mess. I looked where the razor was positioned. I looked at, you know, kind of measured it out. So I put it right back where I got it. So I got the shaving cream out, put it in my hand. I'm looking at my face. I don't see any hair, though. <laughs> and the only hair I saw were my bushy eyebrows. So I put the, I put the <laughs> shaving cream on my eyebrows. So I got out the razor, and I, I literally shaved one of my eyebrows off. And I just thought, well, that's enough fun for the day. So I took off, I washed it all off, and I made sure there was no, you know, shaving cream in the sink. I put the, the, the razor right back in the right place, and I'm thinking, I am good to go. No one's going to know. 
So I step out of the bathroom. My dad's standing right there. He looks right at me. He says, Joey, have you been playing with my razor blade? <laughs> if I lie to my dad, I'm dead, right? That's just, that's rule. It's a big rule in the house. Never lie. So I'm thinking, he'll never know. So I looked him right in the eyes and I said, no, dad, I did not play with your razor blade. He goes, are you sure? And I looked him back in the eyes and says, dad, I'm very sure I did not play with your razor blade. He goes, then why do you have one eyebrow? <laughs> and I said, well, it must have fell off. <laughs> My dad laughed so hard. He couldn't even punish me. And he says, this is your punishment. You're going to school today with one eyebrow. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. I'm like, fine, okay. I thought I was getting away with something. I get to school. All the kids are laughing at me with one eyebrow, and they're making fun. I'm sitting in the desk. My teacher in front of everyone says, Joey, um, uh, can I ask you a question? How come you only have one eyebrow? I said, well, teacher, it must have fallen off. And she says, well, eyebrows don't just fall off. And I said, well, I must have shaved it then. <laughs> but you know, it felt good to tell someone the truth that I actually shaved it off. Even though it was obvious. Isaiah 59.1. Isaiah 59.1. says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. God's hand's not too short that he can't save you and reach you. God's ear's not too heavy that it cannot hear you and bow down and listen to you. God wants to save you. God wants to help you. God wants to listen. God wants to hear. God wants a relationship with you. But when it comes to sin, he will not, he will not bow down to you when you're in sin. You must confess it. You must go to the cross. You must turn from it. You must ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you. And as soon as you ask for forgiveness, God's right there. I remember years ago when I was in the world, my sister, living in Michigan, my sister moved out to California. She lived in a place called Calvary, or a place called Costa Mesa, and she went to a church called Calvary Costa Mesa. In that church, she prayed to receive Jesus. She came home and she told everybody, my life has changed. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, she looked at me and she says, Joe, you can actually know God. And I says, yeah, I, I do know. You know. She goes, no, you can actually know God personally. And it took me 13 years to actually know God personally after that point because of my sin. I didn't want to give up my sin. I wanted to live in sin, but my sin was separating me from a holy God. But as soon as I gave my life to Christ and I repented of my sin, God restored, God brought a relationship. God's presence was evident in my life and still is today. It's only sin that can separate you from a holy God. And it's so 
great to know the fact that all you need to do is go to the cross of Calvary and ask for forgiveness of your sin. And as soon as you ask for forgiveness of sin, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He forgives you of the sin. The forgiveness that's in, in that passage, it talks about taking it away, removing it from you. So it's like you're, you became one with sin and you're walking around like this, but there's a separation because of the sin. And so what you do is you admit it to him, you turn away from it, and he just takes it away. And then he cleanses you from your guilt and shame. His hand's not too short to reach you today. His ear wants to bow down. He wants to listen to you. He wants to talk with you. But it's your sin. Remember in Numbers chapter 21 when the children of Israel spoke against God and they were complaining against Moses? They were complaining about being in the wilderness. They said the food was better in Egypt and it was so much better for us back there in Egypt. And they even talked bad about the, they called it worth the, low, the, the worthless bread, talking about the manna. They said, we don't even like this bread that you're giving us. Remember what the Lord did? He sent fiery serpents. Remember that? And the fiery serpents were in the camp and it would bite some of the people. And when they were bitten by these serpents, the people would die. So that got their attention, let me tell you. So they went to Moses and they said, Moses, we've sinned against the Lord. We've sinned against you. We're wrong. Please pray to, to God. Please tell him to take away these fiery serpents. We, we turn away. We, we repent. We turn. So Moses went in and talked with the Lord. Remember what the Lord said? The Lord says, I want you to make a bronze serpent. I want you to put it up on a pole. I want you to set it up in the camp. And anyone that looks at this serpent that's on this pole, they're going to be healed. So all they had to do was look up at the serpent. And then, you know, once they did, they were healed. And the serpent, you know, represents sin and Satan and evil. And so they were recognizing the fact that I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I recognize, I'm turning from my sin. I realize I'm a sinner. And that's all they needed to do. Do you know, I believe that there was people in the camp that were like, I'm not looking at that stupid serpent. That's ridiculous. How can, a, how can looking at a serpent on a pole, gonna, how is that going to heal me? And they died. But everyone that turned and realized and said, okay, only one provision. What is the provision, God? The provision is looking up at the, at the one that's, that's up on the pole. Okay, the serpent that's up, looking at that. And I'm going to be healed? And they, they did that and they were healed. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus made reference to that. In John chapter 3, I'm going to put it up on the board. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a an act of faith. It's believing that the only provision for man in sin is through Jesus Christ on the cross. That's the only provision. We don't have to slay the dragon. We don't have to do any kind of crazy things for forgiveness. All we need to do is know that we're a sinner and go to the cross and believe and look upon him that became sin for us. And sin is taken away. I read a story about a small town prosecuting attorney. He called up his first witness to the stand in the trial. She was a grandmotherly type, an elderly woman. And he approached her and he says, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, well, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. She says, frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. <laughs> says, you lie, you cheat on your wife, and you manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a big rising, or, or excuse me, a rising big shot when you haven't you haven't the brains to realize you've, you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. <laughs> well, this attorney didn't know what to do, so he pointed over to the defense attorney. He says, Mrs. Williams, do you know him? 
And she replied, oh, yes, I do. That's Mr. Bradley. I've known him, too, since he's been young. He says, I, I used to babysit him for his parents. He, too, is a real disappointment to me. He's lazy. He's a bigot. He has a drinking problem. The man can't build normal relationships with anyone. His law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yes, I know him. At this point, the judge calmed the courtroom down, and he called both of the counsel to the bench in a quiet but stern voice. He said to both of them, if either one of you ask her if he, she knows me, I'll throw, you, I'll, throw, <laughs> I'll throw both of you in jail for contempt. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.